there are a number of significant world events as well as some prophecies that are converging on this coming October. Is there anything to that? We'll discuss it next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallett from Countdown to the Kingdom and TheNowWord.com. And today, I am joined once again, finally, after a long hiatus, uh, with my colleague, Professor Daniel O'Connor from New York, New York. <laughs> New York, well, close. Close. Albany. That's Actually, right. Albany, New York, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if Albany. you look up Albany, New York in the Catholic News today, you'll see something unfortunate, but I won't, won't get into that. <laughs> Albany, New York. Yes, it's been too long, brother. So good to be back. Yeah. Yeah, it is good to be back, and I know many of the, many of our viewers have been asking, "Where are you guys? We you know what are you doing? You've been working on a book." Yes, I've I intended to get this out in the spring of this year. Now it's summer, and I've promised summer, so it will be out either this month or next month. But I've been uh, dedicating every minute I can find to finishing that off. So I've been in a hole for the last few months, almost doing almost nothing. But uh, I'm happy to crawl out of that hole for this webcast because I think we're touching on something extremely important here today. Yeah, a lot of it, really important things happening that that are uh, that are not small. Uh, are you going to hint to give us a hint to any way of what your book's about? Or are you you say I'd, I'd be I'd be happy to. Yeah, I, there is a huge UFO deception brewing, and I've been writing against this against this for almost three years now. In fact, I've been working on this book for almost three years. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of sensed this was coming when I started writing against it back in 2021 and working on it before then. But to see this yeah. deception coming to a head now, where this this preparation for the Antichrist really is what I see it as, is really stunning. So I'm seeking to refute all of that. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll announce the details of it when it's ready again this month. August or next month, September. At the latest. All right, looking forward to that book on the on the coming UFO deception. And I don't know if I've ever told you, Daniel, but years ago when I was going for a walk, I was praying. The Lord showed me in an instant that there was coming a UFO deception, and I I never spoke about mm. it for probably a couple of years because I knew how taboo that subject was. But now to see it coming into the open like this. Uh, and you know, and I was just reading about some some government uh, uh, body within the United States government speaking, saying that they believe that the the de- there's going to be a demonic deception coming through UFOs, and I I believe it's going to be with the government with government. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. We'll probably cover that. We'll have to do yeah. We'll have to do something on that yeah. soon. When your book comes out, uh, it's a very serious topic, and of course, it's in the mainstream. So you know, we don't feel like we're wearing a tin hat at this point. Uh, right. It's it's actually, right. I think, it's shaping up to be a pretty serious deception. So, mm-hmm. but we want to move on to other things because I think there's other more important things happening that are having to do with deception as well. And uh, you know, uh, the other thing too, I think we wanted to just mention is you know we've been in a funk, uh, both of us, <laughs> this mm-hmm. summer. And we really do appreciate your prayers for us. Um, you know, I've been in a place of just, Lord, what is it that you want to say to your people? And, and watching and praying and listening. And honestly, I could have written a thousand blogs in the past few months. And I've really just written a handful because it's it's so dark in many respects, Daniel, what's happening. It's so uh, evil. But But we have to keep the perspective. And for me, the perspective is this. Jesus said there would be labor pains, and labor pains bring us to a new birth. And so, mm-hmm. y- you can really focus on the labor pains and and 
almost think that's all there is, is, is the labor pains. But there's a, there's a new birth coming. So as my spiritual director said to me not long ago, he says, you know, we have to be careful that we, we are forming ourselves by looking into the eyes of Jesus, not by gazing into the abyss. There's right. a difference. Right. Yeah. And here we are, two men saying this, <laughs> never having experienced labor pains, but vicariously we have, and it's true. Yeah. And this, the, I would, I would suspect that my wife, in the several, you know, births I've been there for, just the focus, the the pain, mm-hmm. it, it must seem so overwhelming that, that that's that's all there is when you're experiencing it. And yet, what does Jesus say? That the joy of a new child being born into the world makes you forget all. Yeah. So everything, all, all the struggles and the crosses right now, they're, they're going to be just forgotten when mm-hmm. the era comes. And yeah, it's going to get worse because, you know, what they talk about from labor to transition to childbirth, the transition being the worst, but mm-hmm. to the actual act of pushing um, without getting too graphic here, because I, I delivered our last child myself because mm-hmm. the midwife didn't come in time. Right. So I've got some pretty intimate experience with this. But um, but the joy of the child being born to the world, that, that just com- immediately outshines all of those pains. Yeah. And that's what that's the analogy that Jesus chose for this, not not Mark and I. So we're confident that that's exactly what's going to happen. And yes, yeah. we'll have to go through the continuing labor pains and, 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 and childbirth and everything. But we know what's coming after this. So we keep our eyes on this glorious era to come. This reign of the divine will this triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So the worse yeah. the bad news gets, and we're going to talk about the bad news in the upcoming minutes. The worse that bad news gets, the clearer of a trumpet it is for the good news coming immediately thereafter. And, and, and that actually raises a good question. What, what's the point of focusing on all these signs of the times and the problems? And I'll, I'll tell you, the underlying purpose for why we're doing this is so that you... So that those who are listening, and I don't mean that when I say you, it's many of you are watching and praying and probably know more than Daniel and I, so I don't say that in a condescending way, but it's so that those who are listening and watching would be awake and not be deceived. Because St. Paul warned so many times, he said, stay awake, don't fall asleep. Jesus said the same thing, watch and pray. And so we have to be alert to what's coming because these deceptions are coming fast they're they're happening. It's it in some ways it's slow what's happening, but at the same time there's so much happening at once. Most people just are not aware, and so that's what we want to do is is help you mm-hmm. to be aware. Yeah. So we're going to begin, uh, Daniel. With let's begin with the prophecies that came down the pike to us uh, recently. And there's a priest that we've been discerning. We've been talking about him. His name is Father Oliveira. If I'm pronouncing that correct, he's from Brazil. That is not his real name. He, he chooses to be anonymous. Uh, and he was, he predicted actually, I think two years before, uh, I think it was two years. No, uh, yes, it was two yep. years before yep. Pope Benedict died. He had a vision in which he saw Benedict the 16th would die in the year 2022. As it turned out, he died on Christmas or sorry, New Year's Eve of 2022. And so, there's a certain amount of credibility. I mean, it could have been luck. It could have been just a guess. It could have been his own intuitions, or it could have been a prophetic word from the Lord. So we continue to discern this man who goes by the name of Father Oliveira. He is a priest, by the way, and those who know him testify that he's he seems to be a genuine article, a genuine mystic. And Daniel, what he prophesied in June 17th, 2023, is Our Lady said to him, Beloved son, listen carefully. 
in October of this year, a period of great tribulation will begin, which I predicted when I was in France, Portugal, and Spain. And so, Daniel, maybe you can elaborate on probably, likely, what Our Lady's referring to with those three locations. Right, and this, of course, is, is vague, but uh, but on the other hand, I think it's it's fairly uh, evident what Our Lady is allegedly at least referring to in this message. Well, France, Our Lady of La Salette. Starting with La Salette, what was significant that she's prophesying in France that she would be referring to? Maybe most significantly is that, and this is controversial, but uh, be careful with how you interpret this, that Rome would lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. Now, she says that Rome, this doesn't mean the Pope, that Jesus promised to Peter that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. So we can mm-hmm. always know that the true magisterium will always be protected. But Rome, you know, th- there, there could be some shenanigans going on in Rome that could present themselves as the true magisterium, but in fact be nothing but a parody of it. Okay, so let me move on then to Portugal, because uh, Our Lady brings up Portugal, which of course is the apparition of Fatima. And at Fatima, Our Lady said, unless there was conversion, unless the consecration of Russia occurred, that Russia would spread her errors throughout the world. Well, what were the errors then that were (laughs) just a month later began in Russia? And the answer is communism. And so what Our Lady was predicting is that these errors would spread throughout the world. And essentially, I believe that what she was predicting was global communism. Now, it doesn't have to look like the same communism that was in Russia at that time. Uh, and what we're seeing now is a neo-communism spreading. And it's it's happening through what the World Economic Forum has called the two pillars of, of the Great Reset, which is COVID-19, all that stuff that happened and how it brought in an infrastructure of control. And the second thing now is climate change. So I like to say, Daniel, that what we're seeing is is communism now with a green hat. Daniel, let's go back then to Father Oliveira. And he said, or rather, Our Lady says to him later in the message, she says, On October 13th, I will give you a sign as you asked me to do. That That is why I have shown you this date. Now, we don't know if that's a personal sign for him or if that is a sign for the world. Uh, but we're going to raise another seer. This one is, uh, and you might know a little bit more about Valen- Valentina Papania. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, as I tend to do on these shows. Oh, I won't even try. So, Mark and I, we're, we're just, we're very much just discerning Valentina. We we um, we do not uh, intend to propose here that we've come to any conviction about her authenticity or anything. We're just throwing this out there because it's significant with what's coming up with October and Father Oliveira mm-hmm. and, and other signs as we'll get into shortly. But she's had some apparent um, bullseyes, prophetic bullseyes, as we've um, been told by others, at least. I haven't delved deeply into her. Mm-hmm. I don't know about, I don't think Mark has either. But no. it seems that she she had some major prophetic hits here with, with COVID and, um, and other things. So at the minimum, we believe she's worth keeping an eye on. That's what we're trying to do here. And she also mm-hmm. was told that in October, the, Our Lady would give a big sign to the world which everyone will witness so that's that kind of lends credibility to credibility to the interpretation of father Oliveira that this is not only for him but perhaps for everyone so mm-hmm. um 
and uh, you know take take it with a grain of salt of course yeah. we're not we're not telling you to go uh, stake anything huge on this but this is a reminder to us of what we should know already which is to keep our spiritual house in order get to confession pray the rosary get to mass trust in jesus trust in the divine mercy strive to live in the divine will and we all know you know if you've watched any of mark and my videos in the past you know that that's our message all, all of this all of this is just a reminder to you to to be a saint to strive to become a saint that's all this matters for it's, it's an invitation to that end but um if you needed another reminder that time might be running out then this is that we don't know for sure, but it certainly seemed that a number of factors are converging upon this fall. You know, these, what's these interesting, I'm yeah. yep, sorry, I cut you off there. I owe no. you a dollar. It's Canadian, so it's about 20 cents. The digital dollar, American, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, and I, I've talked to, to uh, another person I know very close to me who um, Jesus has been speaking to him very clearly, very loudly, he says, and, um, you know, he says, he said to me the other day, he says, October, I feel like there's something coming this October. And uh, anyway, I just, I just noted it. Um, you know, is there something happening in the body of Christ where God is beginning to prepare us? Now, I want to go back to the, the, the message to Father Oliveira. Uh, in this message, Our Lady says, be prepared above all spiritually, because this period will not come with a bang but will be gradual and will spread slowly throughout the world. The war that has started will increase, as you have already seen. There will be droughts, great storms, and earthquakes in many places of the world. But as my Divine Son said, when you hear these rumors, do not be afraid. Now, we'll come back to that message, but I mean, you know, if someone could easily say, well, look, there's always great storms, there's always earthquakes happening and droughts and rumors of war and that you and you're right you're not you're not wrong about that so what it, we want to point out also is when you have prophecies like this that are this specific um you know we we don't want to despise them but at the same token we know that valentina and father Oliveira, you know their credibility is very much at stake and we saw that with the previous seer on countdown of the kingdom whom we felt because it was such a specific prophecy and it was time-driven, and that prophecy failed, we ended up saying, well, you know, we don't feel this is a seer that we can continue to con consider the prophecies, at least, to be that credible. Because how do you know? When someone predicts something's going to happen in October and it doesn't happen, that's a pretty good sign that you need to set aside that prophecy, period. Right. Yeah. So, this is going to be the same situation with these two. Yeah, and that's and uh, even if we wind, wind up having to leave a seer aside because of an apparent miss. We leave the judgment to that to God. We're not claiming to know that this is some sort of a proof that the seer is inauthentic. And with Father Michel, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not at all condemning him. I just recognize the time is extremely limited, and there's a there's so many seers out there. I've got to use some sort of criteria to limit what I spend my time discerning. And and when there's a blatant miss with with a clear enough specificity with a month and a time and a specific event and that just doesn't happen, it may well be that God's uh, you know providence altered the course of events. We really won't know until heaven really to look back and know whether God changed the, the course of things because of our prayer, 
and our penance. But okay, well, listen, we we gonna we we need to keep moving forward. But there was a third country that was mentioned, and that was Spain, and that refers most obviously to the prophecy of Garibaldi in Spain. Now, uh, there's a couple things happening. There's actually three things happening surrounding the prophecies of Garibaldi that I think are extraordinary. That are pointing. Uh, I think the odds of these things happening at all at once are off the charts. The first thing is. As, as was predicted at Fatima, Our Lady said to the seers at the uh, apparition at Garibaldi, which is in a neutral state with the church. The church is not uh, ruled against it, but it also hasn't said that it's supernatural. So it's neutral. But at Garibaldi, Our Lady said to the seers that all these things, specifically the warning and so on, and the miracle that would follow it, would come, she said, when communism returns. Now, Keep in mind when she said that to the seer Conchita, um, communism hadn't even left yet. That wouldn't happen for maybe another 20, 25 years. So Our Lady said when communism returns. And so what we're seeing now is global communism is returning, and there's no question about it. The the same system of control and the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, has it openly stated that climate change is not about the environment, it's about redistributing the wealth of the countries. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is there was a prediction at Garibaldi uh, that there would be a great synod. And and back then, Daniel, the I mean, the word synod was not in vogue at all. I mean, I'd never even heard of that word until 10, 15 years ago. Right. Yeah, and if you want a, a detailed overview of these things, as our last video, it was almost half a year ago now, yeah. but our last video Mark and I did with Christine, we kind of went into all this Garibandel stuff. So today it'll just be a quick reminder of this. But the mere fact that what was spoken of there is suddenly being spoken of now is itself a kind of fulfillment. Back in the 60s, when the uh, Sierra Conchita said that the future events would occur in accordance with a synod, you know, she was asked, okay, do you mean a... a an ecumenical council, because that was what was in people's right. mind from, you know, Vatican II. And she said, no, no, a synod. She didn't say, Our Lady didn't say council, she said a synod. synod and that's, of course, extraordinarily significant, because what we have here is not Vatican III. It's a synod on synodality, which some people have referred to as a soft Vatican III. And that's, yeah. clearly, yeah. there's un, there's a, a much brewing here that is to be concerned about. But Our Lady said to Conchita back in the 60s that this would be an important synod that would occur right before, or I don't know if she said right before, but before the future events, above all, of course, the warning and then the miracle after. But uh, uh, This this is the story, this is the other third element of the Garibaldi prophecies, is that the Pope would go to Moscow. We talked about that in the last webcast, and uh, on July 24th, this story rattled around the world that the Pope is offering once again to meet with uh, the top, you know, the 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 uh, patriarchs of in Moscow, and so this would involve the Pope going to Moscow. And what Our Lady said to the seers at Garibaldi was, after the Pope returns from Moscow, then hostilities would break out. Did I get the? Am I am I getting the wording right yeah. there? I'm just trying to see if I can bring it up on my screen. I thought I had it right here. Maybe I don't. But that, but I'm I'm certain that's what she said. That uh, the Pope would go to Russia to Moscow, specifically is what the uh, Garibaldi seer said that Our Lady told her. And she didn't say that the Pope would necessarily meet with the Patriarch of, you know, of the Eastern Orthodox Church right. and, at the moment, Kirill. I mean, he might very well. That's, of course, Pope Francis's goal. 
and he, he has in his mind certainly uh, working for peace here in this war going on. But the prophecy only speaks of the Pope going to Moscow. And in it, fact, the it Pope's could be plane is supposed to re- Yeah, it could be. It could be anything. The Pope's plane is set to refuel. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the Pope's plane is set to refuel in Moscow at the end of this month or the beginning of September, hmm. if not both. So the Pope, his body, which that's him, his, he will be in Moscow if all goes according to plan at the end of this month and the beginning of September. So, so those are three major events. You have communism again, back. Yeah. You've got this synod on synodality. And I, what I wanted to say about it is what makes this synod important is, I mean, because we've had other synods in the church, but what really makes this one significant is we've already seen bishops trying to propose heterodox teachings, particularly on human sexuality. And there's a lot of sophistry uh, revolving around this and uh, we won't go into the details of it now because I think most of you who are watching are probably following it. But let's just say there really seems to be an attempt, Daniel, for some kind of hijacking, uh, some way to try and introduce in the church, maybe with, well, I would say without officially changing church teaching, but something in the pastoral approach, uh, particularly towards. Uh, the issue of, of tr- uh, transgenderism, genderism, and so on, gender ideology. And we're, we're already seeing the foreshadowing of that through the German bishops and others. So it, it is a key synod. And, and uh, you know, it's a synod on synodality, um, which is a, a, a synod to listen on the art of listening. And yet, we're not listening to Jesus right now. We're not listening to sacred tradition. We've stopped listening. So this synod, as far as I'm concerned, is becoming a bit of a sham if I can be so bold. Yeah, and, and everyone we should have known we should be listening to has said the same thing. All the prophets that God has raised up in the church. You know, we've, we've spoken in the past about Cardinal Mueller and Cardinal Seurat and Bishop Strickland. And, and, and we, I have a bunch here of similar bishops throughout the world who have said who have raised similar prophetic alarms, that there's something going on here in this synod that is an attempt, and they're not saying it, uh, that, that it will succeed because Christ promised to Peter that the gates of hell would not prevail, but an attempt, nevertheless, against the foundations of the authority of the church. Because the devil knows that for if he can only make it seem that an infallible teaching, that something the church taught five years ago, it now teaches the opposite of. If he can only sneak that in to make it seem like that happened, even though it hasn't, then he will have undermined the authority of the one and only church that Christ founded in St. Peter 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And that is the opening act of the great apostasy right there. And it seems by all measures that that is what they're preparing the way for in this synod of synodality. But the church-wide first general assembly, guess when that's happening? Hmm. October of this year. It's just a meeting. It's not even an ecumenical council. It's just a meeting. It doesn't have any mag- any actual magisterial authority, but people will think it does, and the world will think it does. So it's this shadow magisterium, and this is why Our Lady's messages for years now have re- have just constantly, Pedro Regis, many other seers, this true magisterium. Our Lady's begging us to stick with the true magisterium. Why would she implore that constantly if it were not for the fact there would be a shadow magisterium? That would teach yeah. heresy and would seem to be the true magisterium, but in fact is not. And and we're seeing right now um, um, with with our Pope, uh, 
a real attention now. Uh, there's a there's a few things happening, but one, of course, is is um, this dialogue, the interreligious dialogue with other religions. And you know, I mean, Saint Paul engaged with the Greeks in the New Testament. You know, he would he would quote their philosophers. You know, in him we move, live, and move, and breathe, and have our being. And he was trying to connect yeah, to them. Right there in Acts, yeah. Right. So we we applaud the the efforts of the Pope to connect with other religions, but ultimately the proclamation of the gospel has to happen. Jesus has to come forward. There there is no world peace without Jesus at the center. He's the Prince of Peace. And we're really, it's strange how we're hearing, maybe it's happening in private dialogues, maybe the Pope is emailing religious leaders, I don't know, but we're certainly not hearing the gospel being proclaimed and the necessity, the necessity for other religions to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In fact, what we're hearing, uh, aside from this interreligious dialogue, is, is a real focus on, as this editorial says, on climate change. And it's it's almost like climate change and sustainable development goals are the new, they're the gospel. And as long as we, we fight the climate, as long as we all get injected with a vaccine, this is the message coming out of the vaccine, out of right. the Vatican, rather. The <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> as long as we do these things, you know, the world's going to be a happy place, and that mm-hmm. is a, I'm, I, you know, that's a false gospel. It's a yeah, false. All we gospel. need to do is also sing Kumbaya. In addition to that, and then all will be well. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's crazy, and it's this, and and I. My job, and I, I've said this before, but like my job is dialogue. I'm a philosophy professor at a public secular New York community college. Yeah. So I'm, that, that's what I do. Uh, I dialogue with with a bunch of twenty something year olds who are from the secular culture on the questions most meaningful to life. That 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 is my job. So obviously, I heartily endorse dialogue. So I won't tolerate being lectured by the likes of James Martin on dialogue. He goes around the country giving lectures to a bunch of ultra liberals who agree with him. That's his life. You know, I, I'm actually in the trenches here, and I, and I fully condone dialogue. And yet, I, 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 I find detestable this notion of dialogue being presented as if it were an end in and of itself, when in mm-hmm. fact it's nothing but a means to bring people to salvation. Yeah. And if you don't have that, prove to me. Dear Synod participants, dear James Martin, prove to me that that's your goal, that, that you actually want to bring people to repent and to salvation. Because I have not seen a single thing indicating that that's actually your goal. All I've seen is proof after proof after proof that all you want to do is hold hands to them and sing Kumbaya and pretend all is well as long as they're fighting climate changers or discrimination or something, which is just a diabolical, eschatological, apocalyptic, pathetic replacement for true religion. Did you say scatological? Because that would have been. <laughs> I, I, I hope I said eschatological, but I brought. <laughs> I know I I couldn't yeah. resist the pun. Um, the church exists. Her mission, said Paul the Sixth, is to evangelize. These things that we're hearing coming out of the Vatican uh, on climate change and so on have nothing to do ultimately with the gospel. Not that the church doesn't care about creation and that we need to be good stewards, but uh, you know what. The United Nations and other organizations are doing this. The mission of the church is to save souls. I don't hear this language anymore. 
We are entering into some very serious times. Now we're down to about 10 minutes left, and we wanted to discuss other developments that are happening in the world that are pretty serious. And um, again, if we talk about the infrastructure being in place for global communism, a part of that infrastructure has is also in how we buy and how we sell. And we're starting to see emerging right now um, this whole concept, Daniel, of central bank digital currencies. And we already know it was passed by the G20 nations, a resolution. They were talking about the whole idea of, of basically uh, tying your vaccine status to a digital ID. And with the digital currency, now let, let us just explain to people what is what is a digital currency. And what a digital currency basically is, is that instead of hard cash, instead of having money, uh, what you have is a digital currency. Now, we frankly, we've already got this to a certain degree. We already use our debit cards and our apps on our phones and so on. So it's not like this is completely new. What would be new would be the elimination of hard currency, and then you'd have a digital currency. And this we can tell already by other decisions they're making. It will be tied to your health status i.e. your vaccine status and so on, and it would be tied probably then to your social credit score. So for instance, you, and uh, you know, we're going to show you a quote here in just a moment, two quotes actually, one from someone who is part of the central banking system telling you basically they're going to have full control, and then the other one telling you what a CBC, uh, BDC looks like. But, you know, for example, if you're over your carbon footprint, if you filled up your vehicle too much with fuel or you bought too much meat, there could be a little message comes up in the store saying you're past your limit and that your your credit then will be limited at that point. Um, this isn't just uh, theory. This is exactly what is being said by this gentleman here who works yeah. with the central banks. A, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also we will have the technology to enforce that. Okay, so here you have an official with the central banks basically saying they're gonna have full control over over. I mean, that's a very disturbing clip, Daniel. Mm Yeah. And, you know, who needs to bother with things like, you know, checks and balances and legislative branch and everything like that? If you don't need to bother with laws and and Congress and things like that, if you can just with the click of a button by some centralized agency decide what individuals are able to buy with their with well, with what will ultimately be a chip probably in their right hand or forehead. But but before that, with their central currency, you can you can de facto have absolute control over the whole country without any of those ordinary uh, intermediaries to prevent uh, tyranny. You can just have it immediately. And it doesn't even need to be an official part of the government. It can be some sort of some quasi-government agency that just regulates this, the the usage of this currency. And it can be extremely easy because it's all done through software. I mean, I can't even imagine a greater means of societal control for these apocalyptic, event, apocalyptic events than this central currency eventually put through a physical thing in your body, an actual right. mark. 
And so that brings us to our next clip we want to share with you. This is from Professor Richard Werner. He's an Oxford PhD in economics. He came up with the whole theory, in fact, of quantitative easing, printing money and so on, that eventually got twisted and abused. But this is the guy who invented it. He's worked with uh, with the Deutsche Bank. He's worked in, with the Japanese banks. And he helps actually to establish small banks with people. But this is what he tells us about a conversation he had with a central banker. Because the technology was really ready um, around 2015 to roll out. Mm. And what, what people don't mention is, what do these CBDCs actually look like? You know, um, at the moment, there's a bit of talk about this being phone-based apps. And yes, that is the initial phase. But what was already ready around 2015 is the ultimate goal, what they really want. Apparently, I was told by a central banker is, you know, CBDC looks like a small grain of rice that they want to put under your skin, which is, in my view, a violation of human dignity. And they realize there is a hurdle. So to get people to, get people to accept this, there will be, you know, why, why suddenly are all the billionaires saying, let's have universal basic income? Because the story is going to be, oh, now we've created, you've created this vast unemployment and, and uh, disruption and crises. Well, we need universal basic income. You will get uh, 2,000 euros into your account every month. But of course, to run this efficiently, we need to use the latest technology. So, you know, you, you need the <laughs> CBDC uh, yeah. chip implant. But how many people will say, okay, fine. 2,000 pounds, uh, 2,000 euros, you know. Um. A, surprising, <laughs> a, a surprising proportion, shockingly, obviously, to me or yourself, but we've seen uh, years ago in Sweden, there has been a substantial small minority take-up of what's currently much larger. Swedes haven't been shy about upgrading themselves with the new version. Thousands already have microchip implants that they use in their daily lives. Waving their hand to gain entrance to the gym, confirm their ID or make payments. Okay, so, you know, this is this is what he said he heard from a central banker, is they're actually planning to put a chip in people's hands. And, and it is. It's being done all over the world right now for kids, for pets, for and people are voluntarily doing this in Sweden. So he's absolutely right on that. So here we are in the last few minutes. Daniel, we've talked about these prophecies of global communism coming, of... Uh, the the apostasy in the church. And we know from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, St. Paul speaks about a great revolution, you know, a revolt, a rebellion, an apostasy. Uh, the word actually revolt is in some of the translations. So a revolution that comes, and it brings in this period of lawlessness that he says, then the lawless one, the man of lawlessness appears, who is the Antichrist. So now we have this beast, this beast that is in Revelation 13, it says, who can compare to him? Who can fight against the beast, writes St. John. And we're seeing now, once these, these digital currencies come in, they have total control. Who can fight against that? And now we see them wanting to even put a mark on our skin. Again, we can't say for sure, Daniel, but it sure looks like everything is in place for exactly yeah. what several seers on Countdown of the Kingdom have talked about, and that is that the Antichrist is here and ready and waiting in the wings. And place that alongside 
the uh, great apostasy, as we've been talking about for the last several mm -hmm. minutes, brewing in the church, which, of course, we know. Well, remember, the Antichrist works in tandem with the false prophet, the beast, and the false prophets. We've got this secular apocalyptic, I always mess up that word, apocalyptic leader, and, and, and the apocalyptic leader in the church, the false prophet, working in tandem here. So we've got the great apostasy, the great persecution in the world. We've got these, these messages that we talked about. We've got the Garabandel prophecies coming through. And, and what we haven't even discussed here is the backdrop of all this, which is World War III brewing in the background, <laughs> which will be the context for the greatest uh, usurpation of civil liberties in history. No. Because World War III, now that we have nuclear weapons, it will blow away World War II. And it's seeming, yeah. just in the last week, we've seen explicit threats of nuclear holocaust. And every time I even bring this up, I get a bunch of people attacking me, either on the either on the Ukraine or the Russian side. And look, I'm not taking sides here. I recognize that what's happening is evil thoroughly. Uh, every, everywhere, every all these warmongers on either side are evil. They seem to not care that we are hurtling towards nuclear war. But it seems uh, it seems like that's what we're heading in. So that's kind of. That'll be for maybe another video, but that's kind of the backdrop of all of this. So yeah. everything here is converging again, as we have in this title here, converging in the months ahead. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it basically too, you were, we're summarizing basically the seals of revelation, mm -hmm. uh, the second, the third, the fourth seal, war, famine, plague, persecution of the faithful that leads to the sixth seal in Revelation chapter six, which is this universal event where there's a great shaking and everyone feels it's the judgment, but it's clearly not the, the final judgment. It's a great shaking of people's consciences to the point that they want to hide in the rocks and the caves. And so, in closing, let's go back to that message then from Father Oliveira. And this is what Our Lady says. She's basically talking about the seals. She goes on to say, Use the miraculous medal. This is the medal that was given at France. So use that medal. It's not that the medal is a talisman or it's a good luck charm. We don't believe that as Catholics. But we do believe there are sacramentals. Just the way when St. Paul, if you'll recall in Peter, people would reach and touch their clothes or their handkerchiefs and were healed. That It was that act of faith through a sacramental that God would work. Right. So channel of grace, and I got I got my miraculous medal right here. Always have yours on you. Yeah, there you go. So you, there, there's that that medal. She says sickness will not be the only evil that will spread. Spiritual evil will be worse. Sickness will, however, be a great scourge. So we need to prepare ourselves. That we're in a time where they're releasing bioweapons. This has already clearly happened. And we have no reason to believe that the, that Bill Gates, when he said the second pandemic. You know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, will get attention this time. I, I don't doubt the guy. I really don't. Uh, put the medal of St. Benedict on the door. You know, we know from our exorcist telling us that the St. Benedict medal, that the, the demons hate it. And so, the, this is the St. Benedict medal. Do not forget, she says, to use the scapular. So, here she's, our lady's pulling out all of the Catholic tools that we have that are instruments of grace. Bless candles, oil and water. 
have no more doubts about the oil of the Good Samaritan. Interesting, that's a reference that we've only heard in the messages to Luz de Maria, also known as Thieves' Oil. There's, I think there's, I can't remember how many, hundreds of studies on that particular oil that you can find on PubMed uh, and its effectiveness against viruses. So, Our Lady saying, use nature. Uh, Seek to remain in a state of grace, she says, because the demons have set upon humanity with strong temptations, especially against priests. She says, then pray for your priests, pray for your bishops. And I love what she says, always remember who you are. And so, these are things we need to do. And I want to underline that one thing that she said, remain in a state of grace. If you are in mortal sin, if you are playing with sin, I want you to not be afraid, not be discouraged by your struggles, but at the same time, get to confession, get to the Lord, confess and repent of these things. As the priest said to me in my confession today, there's three things you can do. Repent of your sin, accept God's pardon and His grace, and then make the choice to never sin again. Beautiful, simple advice. Three things he said to get to freedom. And so, we've run out of time, Daniel. Uh, Do you have anything you want to say in closing? Whatever you're thinking, you have, whatever you're worrying about giving up to repent of your sins, give it up. It's worth it. There is something infinitely greater waiting for you. And it's not a big hurt. It's not a long journey away. It's Mm -hmm. right there. It's your one confession away from it. Just do it. It's worth it. Get in that state of grace and stay in it. And I love what she says, Daniel, remember who you are. Mm-hmm. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Christ set us free for freedom. Therefore, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Stand up, Christian. Stand up, Christian. Tell the devil to get lost and follow Christ. Repent and follow him and, and remember who you are. You are a child of God. Amen. Until next time. From Daniel and I, we love you. We're praying for you. Please pray for us, and God bless you. God bless you.